Hey, Steve. How are you? Okay, welcome everybody and Happy New Year. This is the first Leading Coaches Mastermind Call of the Year. And I'm Susie Pomerantz. I'm the founder of the Leading Coaches Center. And I'm really excited for those of you that are joining us today because we're kicking off the year with inspiration. And Mike Jaffe is known as the human wake-up call. I'm going to introduce him more in a few minutes. But I want to just make a few little announcements um, to orient us on this call. And then I'll introduce Mike, and we'll have a chance to go around and say hello to each other as well. Um, First, I want to make sure I point everyone to Facebook. If you're near a computer right now and are logged on to Facebook, you can find the Leading Coaches Center page on Facebook. And we're going to be using the wall there during this call as a way to interact. So if you have a comment or a question for Mike or something that you want to post or share, you can do it there on the Facebook page, and we'll integrate that with our call today. So. Um, again, if you just do a search on Facebook for Leading Coaches Center, you can find our Facebook page. Um, and if you want to mute yourself, it's star six to mute yourself and star six also to unmute yourself so you can interact. And we are recording the call, as you might have heard when you dialed in. Uh, the calls will all be posted at the Leading Coaches Center Clubhouse in the Mastermind section. And I'm going to go ahead and post a link to that right now on our Facebook page. That's where you'll be able to find the recording of today's call as well as previous mastermind calls that we've had. Um, and it's exciting that the Leading Coaches Center is now over 400 members. Um, and so for those of you that are on the call now, let's do a quick little check-in and let's go around and let folks who want to say hello say hi, tell us your name, where you're calling from, maybe who you coach, just a quick little hello, and then I'll introduce Mike. So who would like to say hello first? Bill Birch in Memphis. Hey, Bill. Welcome. Thank you. You want to tell folks who you coach or what you do? Um, executive coach, so leaders in our large organizations. Thanks, Bill. Who else? Who's here? Say hello. Hi, Susie. This is Joni. I'll jump in. My name is Joni Pierce, and I'm in the Salt Lake City area. And I'm a fairly new executive coach. I've just been working um, on this practice for the last six months. I've spent the last 20 years in executive leadership, so I'm hoping to drive into the strategy arena. Excellent. Thank you. Who else is here? We're, we're just checking in and saying hello, quick hello, where you're calling from, um, what you do. Who's next to say hello? Hi, Susie. I'm Tom Finn, here near you in Reston, Virginia, and uh, I coach leaders in uh, uh, the workplace and government and uh, private uh, industry as well. Fabulous. Thank you for being here, Tom. And I'm going to announce at the end that you're our next speaker next month. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Glad you're here. Who else is here? Hi, Susie. It's Steve Dorfman, Gaithersburg, Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C. And I coach executives and teams on how to create remarkable experience uh, to create raving fans and increase profits. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Anyone else want to say hello? Check in. And you can also do so on the Facebook page at any point during the call. Uh, again, if you go to Facebook and look for Leading Coaches Center, we're up there live as well, so you can interact with us there too. 
And um, I am so excited to introduce you to Mike Jaffe. So Mike and I first met in, we were trying to figure out if it's been five years or four years, but we, we think it's 2007 where we first met. We were on a team together um, with Breakthrough Consulting where um, we were working at a conference, coaching leaders that were attending that conference. And, um, and we've been at CAM together, which is Conversation Among Masters for Master Coaches, for those of you on the call who've also attended that. Um, and, you know, prior to becoming a coach, Mike was more like our clients, who our clients are. He's got his MBA. He was a global marketing specialist. Um, he was actually working in the World Trade Center. Um, he was doing international consulting around business strategy as well as um, product development, new product development, client retention and loyalty, and product launch and support for some major global players. Um, he's also the founder of two independent startups. He's a frequent lecturer at NYU, and he's a nationally recognized speaker, seminar leader, business, and personal coach. And he's the author of a new book called Wake Up, Your Life is Calling. And the subtitle for that is Why Settle for Fine When So Much More is Possible. And um, so he's a 9-11 survivor, and part of what he's going to share with us today is his story around that is so inspiring. Um, but he used his own brush with tragedy to, to really um, turn that into a message of self-discovery and empowerment. And his book is just a wake-up call for all of us, um, really looking at how do you live powerfully, turn your intentions into reality, and, um, you know, and really just do everything that you want to do in terms of your personal and professional life. So he's got a framework that utilizes five principles to wake up your potential, and um, he's the founder of the Mike Jaffe Company, and he's been a featured expert on CNN, Fox News, New England Cable News. Um, he's been published and quoted in the Wall Street Journal. So um, without any further ado, take it away, Mike. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. I want to meet that guy because it doesn't sound like me. It's uh, exciting <laughs> to, <laughs> to be on this journey. It's always amazing. You know, one of the, the great things we do as coaches is give summaries to our clients and let them hear what uh, and acknowledge them for everything that they've been doing because we all tend to focus on all the gaps, right? So it's really easy to think, well, I have to relaunch my website and I have to get my branding in place and I have to put a marketing plan for this book. Uh, but it's such a good reminder when, when we acknowledge all of the great things that we've done because it allows us to get recentered uh, in our strength, in our own personal power, and it changes our state of mind. It changes us into a peak state, and that's really where we want to make our decisions from, from a good place. And so what I thought today I would do, since this is uh, a, a call filled with extraordinary coaches or people related to the coaching industry in some way, um, I, I obviously don't need to give you anything about how to coach, but even as coaches, we all need a little inspiration. We all need coaching once in a while. So I thought I would just give you a little bit of my background, share my story about uh, what my wake-up call was, which, which Susie already alluded to, um, and talk about how that really transformed my life and, and how that I turned that into transforming other people's lives, which you're all doing every single day. Um, also, just like our clients, we all want to walk out of, of an investment in time, which is our, our most sacred and, uh, and rarest currency that we have is our time. So I want to make sure that I touch on the five principles for rewriting your tomorrow or for waking up to your potential. Um, just, just briefly, 
and maybe even give you a tool that you can use. Again, I'm going to assume that everyone can benefit from some of this stuff, so uh, it's not meant to be pedantic in any way. Um, but I'm just hoping that you can all walk away from here feeling that it was a good use of your time, and I really appreciate and respect you putting that trust in me uh, that we're going to use this time wisely and powerfully. Um, but for me, you know, when my career first started, I, I do come from a business background. I have an MBA. I have all that stuff. I don't come from a therapy background. And uh, as you know, it's really important that a lot of us have walked the, the talk. We, we coach people in areas that we um, have had some experience in. It's not a prerequisite all the time, but it definitely gives us a little bit more nuance and subtlety and depth in the way we're able to support and help somebody. And for me, I really never had a vision of what I wanted for my career. You know, I went to undergrad. I didn't know what I wanted to do. My favorite class was Spanish guitar. All right, what am I going to do with that? And, but I got a, a business degree undergrad, and I found my way into a job, and then something else showed up, and then I went back to get my MBA, and, and I became an intern for American Express, and that showed up. But I always did what I call floating down the river. You know, I, I was never really proactive in defining the career that I wanted because I never had a clue of what I wanted. I never found the right fit for me. I mean, things were fine, right? I could figure it out along the way. We're all, we're all um, reasonably intelligent. We're all pretty adaptive. So when we find ourselves in a situation, we can figure it out. And the problem with that is that it's a complacency trap, right? So time just starts to melt away. And before I knew it, I was four years in this place, five years in this place. And again, it, it was okay. It was fine. But it was never really fitting anything that I felt was what I was meant to do, what I wanted to do. It never, it never took me to 11, you know, in a scale of 1 to 10. But I really had no idea what I wanted to do about it. I finally found a little bit of, of some insight and excitement back um, in 1999 when the Internet was just exploding. And I, I jumped out of the mothership, joined an Internet startup. It was very exciting, very dynamic. Uh, we had some venture, uh, some angel funding. I mean, it was really, really exciting. But then, of course, 2000 wasn't the best year to, to have an Internet startup. So when that exploded, I didn't know what to do. I found myself back in a J-O-B, which was sucking the life out of me. So it wasn't really the company. It wasn't the work. It was just the fact that I just found myself back in corporate America doing something that I really wasn't thrilled about. Um, again, it was fine. Uh, I had good days. But what happened was I had moved to Connecticut during that time, and uh, I was working downtown, and so now my commute became two hours each way, so four hours to get back and forth to a job that wasn't really that meaningful. My wife wasn't working. We had My daughter was just one year old, one year old. Um, and so they really, I, I had a responsibility to take care of them. So it wasn't like I could be reckless. It wasn't that I could just walk away from everything. But again, I had no idea what direction to move into. So I did what many, many of our clients do. I did nothing. I just let time continue to slip away. Now, back then, uh, about 10, 11 years ago, I had no idea about coaching. I'd never heard of it other than within a sports environment. Um, if, I, if I had, maybe I would have hired a coach, but I, was, I had no vision. I, I was clueless. But it's not that coaching didn't exist then, obviously, right? It just didn't exist for me. So a lot of times what we're doing as coaches, whether we're working with executives, leaders, individuals, we're helping people discover worlds that already exist but don't exist for them. So there's so much more possible than what we think is possible. You know, when we're trying to define the universe of what's possible, we base it on what we know and what we don't know. 
but there's a whole world that's much, much bigger around what we don't even know that we don't know, right? And that's where we get to have transformation. That's where we get to play. That's where new possibilities are discovered for us and for our clients. Um, but at the time, I had no direction in that sense. So I remember one day I was sitting outside, and I was just contemplating the cost of, of all the choices I had made. You know, I had to get out of the office. I had to get away from that noise because um, you know how, how noisy it gets, both internally and externally. You just you can't even think anymore. Everything is a reaction, and that was happening even 10 years ago. Right? We were starting to become reactors rather than proactive thinkers uh, and leaders. And I, I would imagine, I would venture that a lot of the work you do, again, with your, your leaders, your executives, is helping them to learn how to think again strategically rather than just react. And so I was sitting outside, and it was, it was a beautiful day. It was lunchtime. And I just started thinking, what can I do here? What can I do? This, this four-hour commute is killing me. Uh, I'm, in, I'm doing work that I don't love. I leave in the morning. My daughter is sleeping. I come home at night. My daughter is sleeping. This is not the dad I want to be. This is not the husband I want to be. This is not the life I want. But what can I do? Right? A, a perfect victim mentality. And in that moment, I realized, you know, maybe I can't walk away from all this, but there's got to be something. So what if I just start small? What if I start thinking about this? What is within my control? Right? There are certain things I can't change. There are th certain things that I can't even influence, but there are certain things within my control. And as I'm thinking, you know, a simple little idea came to mind. Well, what if, what if tomorrow, rather than taking my normal early train, right, because everyone's up at the crack of dawn, we're all on the train, we're all commuting, and you look around and you just see the faces of these people that have been commuting for years, how, how it sucks the life out of you. And I thought, you know what, maybe tomorrow what I'll do is, is I'll just take the next train. I'll just have a nice little breakfast with my daughter. She'll be awake. I'll spend time with my wife. It'll be just a nice family moment, 20 minutes, not a big deal, right? Not a big deal, but a good start. <clears throat> and, you know, it's, what's interesting is that as soon as I made that decision, as soon as I, as soon as I made that choice, something shifted, right? Because I was standing at a crossroads. I didn't really know what direction to go into, but I had to look inside, and, and I went back down into my core values, and my values were just screaming at me, start with what's most important to you. <clears throat> and so I made that small decision to say, you know what, I'm going to have breakfast tomorrow. And when I went back to work, I didn't suffer. I didn't suffer because I was definitely sabotaging myself. I was making myself miserable because I was feeling victimized by my situation. And once I made that tiny little small change, once I took that accountability and that power back, I felt bulletproof. So I went back to my office, and the whole rest of the day, work was actually good. Because it wasn't that the work had changed, it was that my relationship to my work had changed. And I realized in that moment how much power, how much of it really was based on me, how much control I actually had to determine whether I was going to be, make this happy, a good situation, or not. And that was a tremendous insight for me at the time. Um, I call my wife tomorrow. We're going to have breakfast. Isn't that great? And she, you know, she wasn't as enthusiastic. She was like, yeah, it sounds nice. <clears throat> but whoever, whoever has that background noise, if you can hit star six, that would be helpful. So we can uh, close that background noise off. Thank you very much. So I went back to my work. And, you know, again, this is not about being belligerent. This is not about being rebellious. This is not about um, being defiant. It's about 
having it all. It's about figuring out a way to make it all work. And so I had to bring some work home with me in order to be able to get in a little bit later, but I didn't have any meetings. I wasn't blowing off anything. And I went to bed feeling pretty excited about the next day. I woke up the next day and something had changed. You know, it's funny how we have these great intentions. We have this power, this commitment, this courage with our intentions. But when it comes time to doing something about them, somehow a lot of that stuff wanes, right? That was yesterday. I mean, I had this great intention yesterday, but now here I am standing at my crossroads. And what I didn't know is that my decision on whether to follow through with this breakfast or not was literally going to determine whether I lived or died. I had no idea. So there I was, and I got up at my normal time, put on my suit. Back then, people still wore suits. I was ready to go. (laughs) And my wife, we only had one car at the time, so my wife would take me to the train in the morning. And she came out, and she saw that I was all dressed and ready to go. And she said, oh, oh, you're ready. Okay, well, I can take you to the train. You can still make your normal train. I thought we were going to have breakfast, but what do you want to do? And that's when I was at my crossroads. There I stood. And the little angel and the little devil popped up my shoulder, and I had this complete internal tug of war going on. You should go to work. You know, you've you've only been there for a couple of months. It's irresponsible. Your daughter's only one. She's not even going to remember this breakfast. What are you doing? Just go. It was a nice idea. Pat yourself on the back. But just go to work like you do every day. Because it's amazing how our rituals are so powerful. And then there's this other little voice saying, no, no, no. The whole point was to have breakfast, right? If you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? You're going to keep blowing it off and it's never going to happen. And so I had these two voices going on and off in my head constantly, this big tug of war. Finally, I just said, you know what? The whole point was to have breakfast. Let's have breakfast. Why I made that choice, I'm not sure. But that was the choice that felt right at the moment. So we sat down. We had a nice little breakfast, and I I still, I remember it so clearly, you know, just sitting at the dining room table. My wife took me to the train, you know, and now for those of you who've seen a picture of me, you know that that I'm what they call follically challenged. I don't, you know, I have a nice shiny head, and I must have just been beaming. I must, (laughs) there it is. I, I must have been just shiny and beaming. Because when I went onto that train, just having that 20-minute breakfast, I felt amazing. It was the best I'd felt in a long, long time. And so I'm ta- I, I take the, the train in. I get on the subway. But because I had that 20-minute breakfast with my family, I was still in the subway when the first plane slammed into the World Trade Center, into my floor, and hit my desk. Because the morning that I decided to have breakfast just happened to be 9-11 of all mornings. I don't know why it was that morning. It just happened to be that morning. So what do you do with that, right? I mean, I, my, my team, my boss, they were all up there. They didn't have a chance. In fact, we were the point of impact of the first plane, which, which to me brings with it a lot of mercy because I, I have to believe that a lot of them don't even know they're gone. You know, So we, we all have these moments of truth, and a lot of us live our lives like we have endless tomorrows. But we don't. Now, when this happened, can you hear? Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. When this hap- when this happened, a lot of people afterwards, because I was trying to reconcile all this, you know, I was looking back, saying, "All right, why did this happen? <clears throat> How did this happen? What's going on here?" 
people would tell me, well, you know, there are plans for you and there's a master plan and there's fate and, and there are all these things. But, you know, the problem with that for me is that I could never buy into that. I could never believe it because I knew all those people up there. You know, they were just like you and I. They were us. We were them. It's all the same. I knew their stories. I knew their dreams. I knew their, their families. I knew their intentions that were, they were waiting for someday to get going on. So it's not that I'm any more special than them because I'm not. And I realized that at some point I had to stop looking back and asking why. Just like with any change, just like with any wake-up call that happens, anything that, that forces or pushes us onto that bridge of transition, you have to stop looking back asking why. And I have to start looking forward and saying, all right, what now? What am I going to do with this gift that I've been given? Right? What am I going to do? I have a new responsibility because I'm playing with house money. And I realized very clearly that every single day is a gift and every single day counts. And, you know, every one of us, all of you on this call and all of you that are going to be listening to this call have been given that same gift, right? You don't need to wait for a near miss. You don't need to wait for that bad news from the doctor. You don't need to wait until some external force gives you a wake-up call, right? Today is your wake-up call. Today is the day that you need to get started on whatever those intentions were that you've been sitting on, waiting for that someday that's never going to happen. Today is your wake-up call. Today is your moment of truth. But the big question is, what are you going to do about it? And just like me, it's very, it can be very overwhelming when you start to think about life change, about business change, about playing bigger, about taking on more. Especially, it's nice in the beginning of the year here, we have all these intentions, but we have to get into action. We have to turn these intentions into our reality. And so one of the key gifts that I learned was that we can start small. Starting small still counts. It still counts because all these little steps add up to big change over time. And a lot of times, again, like I mentioned in the beginning of the call, we don't acknowledge them. We only focus on the gaps. But I like to think of everybody is on this mountain together. We're all on this mountain, and we're always looking up saying, man, if I was only up there, if I was only making more money, if my business was only as good as that person's, if I only had that many clients, if I was only in with that company, all of the gaps, all the scarcity, all the things that we don't have – but what's interesting is if you look down the mountain, you'll be seeing people saying the same things about you because it's all about perspective. And so as I try, as I try to create this book, you know, the book is, is really my first book, um, and, I, and I wanted to codify all of the different lessons that I learned, not only from 9-11 and the push experience I have from that, but, but all the different life lessons I got. And what I, what I realized <clears> – <throat> is that it all starts, an extraordinary life all starts with a shift in perspective, a shift into anything is possible, right, a wake-up call. And part of that is to realize that if you really want the life that you desire, you can't wait around until tomorrow, right? Tomorrow has to start today. You have to do something now. Now, there's a concept that I call rounding up, which talks about that. So you all know about rounding up. Rounding up is when you're going to start something like a new exercise program, you know, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to wake up, I'm going to, I'm going to get my feet out of bed, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to start. And you really have conviction and commitment, just like I had for that breakfast. And then 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, the alarm goes off, and somehow your bed and your comforter has never been as comfortable and as warm as they are in that morning, right? So you sit there, you debate, 
again, that internal tug of war starts to go on. Well, maybe I'll start tomorrow, and that's what happens. You say, you know, I know I said I was going to start today, but there's plenty of time left in the week. I'm going to do that tomorrow. Tuesday morning, alarm goes off, but somehow you feel the same way you did yesterday morning. I know, I know I said I was going to start today, but, you know, it's kind of dark outside, and, you know, it's still kind of warm in here, and you know what, tomorrow, I definitely will start tomorrow. Next day comes, Wednesday morning, alarm goes off. Nobody starts anything on a Wednesday, right? So that's out. Thursday morning comes. Well, the weekend's almost here. I have, some, I have some plans. I have some friends. You know what? I'll definitely start Monday. And that's what we do, right? And I'm sure that's one of the biggest things you're trying to help break, one of the biggest patterns you're trying to help break in your clients is this rounding up pattern where days become weeks, become months, become years. But when you have an experience like I did, you realize, again, very clearly that tomorrow starts today. And so if there's one message that I would love to get out to you and to everybody, it's that you can't wait for that someday that's never going to come. Even if you have to start by doing something very small, start with an intention and follow it up. Now, for me, I always thought I would see it coming, right? Don't we think that, right? There'd be a cloud that's shaped like a, a, a symbol or a big finger pointing down at us. And Mike, you better pay attention. Today's the day. Or I'd rip out a potato chip and there'd be a burned holy symbol on it, you know, a piece of toast that's burnt funny, something. But I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing when that happened. So I really had to rely on my values, my core values. And as you're working with leaders and businesses, uh, I'm, I'm assuming and I'm hoping that part of that discussion isn't just about productivity and performance, but it's also getting down to a deeper core, peeling that onion down to a deeper core of meaning and values because it's the values that we need to bring back into the workplace in many ways. So that's, that's really what happened to me. Um, there are a lot of distinctions that I learned from that. One of the things that I want to leave you with is just a quick, a quick tool that I use. I call it the ABCs of transformation. Uh, a really is about awareness, right? So we're blind until we're aware. And I use this with my clients all the time because even, even when we get a message, if we don't exercise it, it gets soft because these messages, this, this distinction is all like a muscle, right? We have to keep exercising it to keep it strong. So awareness is the first thing. B is breath, slow and steady. Slow down so you can think again because, again, we're trying to reverse the effects of our reactive world. Everything around us kind of pulls us into this current of reaction. So taking a breath, slowing down, helps you stop the frenzy and frenetic activity so you can get strategic again. And then C is commitment. What are you committed to? And part of that is understanding what your vision is. Part of that is understanding <clears throat> the elements that you really want as part of your life and your business what your goals are, all of those things, as clearly as they can be crystallized. Obviously, some of them are fuzzy, but spend the time to try to crystallize at least whatever your time frame is, three months, six months, a year, five years. And if you do that, ABCs of transformation, it actually really works. Uh, awareness, breath, and commitment. So when you find yourself drifting, just ask yourself, what are you really committed to? Now, in terms of the five Ps, and then I'm just going to open it up, because, again, I just wanted a short amount of your time today to try to share my story, and hopefully everybody remembers where they were on that day. Um, hopefully everyone has a little bit different perspective. Uh, but the five Ps, really, it starts with perspective, okay? This is the five principles for what I call rewriting your tomorrow. 
And it begins with that shift in perspective, that wake-up call. And you don't need to wait for a near loss or an external stimulus or stimuli to cause that shift. You can create that shift anytime you choose to. But you can't wait around till tomorrow. You have to do something now. You have to start today. And the second one falls back into purpose. So when we're talking about change, when we're talking about taking people over that transition, I'm sure many of you know the bridges model, right, which is where you get into this neutral zone where it's still it's not quite the way it was, but it's not quite comfortable the new way. So you're in this limbo. You're in this neutral zone, and all you want to do is run back to the way things were. It's natural. It's human behavior, right, fear of the unknown, being uncomfortable, being unreasonable, all of those things. I call that trying to cross the rickety bridge. And so you have this push, this wake-up call that gets you on the bridge. But unless you have this vision, this pull, this pull you're never going to make it across because you're going to resist. All you're going to want to do is go back. So you need to have both of these forces, this push and this pull, to get you across that bridge, to give you the, the courage and the strength to take those small steps that's going to lead you forward. And everybody, as you know, has unique strengths, right, interests, desires. What are they? Break them down. One of the things I do with people that I've uh, – I, I used to do it with career transition, and I've integrated it into a lot of executive work – is a concept um, that really talks about meat and potatoes. It talks about ele elements and options. So this is called the, 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 life, the life purpose process. And essentially, if you think about it, just to use a metaphor – we're trying to define, too many times people are out there looking at what they want. They're trying to define themselves or fit themselves into what's already out there. <clears throat> That's a very outside-in process. What I like to do is more of an inside-out process. So imagine that you're in the supermarket. It's just a silly metaphor for it, but you, you have a shopping cart, and you're just going up and down the aisle, putting in all the ingredients that you love without worrying about what it's going to make, right? You start with what you love, not worry about how it's going to end up. Because so many times, as, you're, as I'm sure you experience, people get stuck in the how. They don't know how to do it, therefore it's not possible. If you can break things down into elements, then what will happen is a very creative process starts to occur, and new options start to emerge, and it's from those options that you can have people start to explore. And that brings us to the third P, which is play. Right? To know without doing is not to know. Too many times people think they know and they're limiting their options or they're completely intimidated by it or they've already assumed what the answer or the end goal is going to be. But unless you start to experience that, unless you get out there, you dip your toe in, you don't really know. To know without doing is not to know. So play is really experiencing without the attachment to it. Right? It gives you a little bit more freedom. You're on the court. You're playing a little bit. But it's not, only, it's not yet about the score. After you've played, that gives you the opportunity to really understand what you want, <clears throat> and that's when you put the plan together, right? That's what the fourth P is, planning, and you all know how to do that. And then the fifth is what we're doing every week when we create accountability with our clients, which is persist, right? So, again, it's one thing to have an intention, but it's another thing to coach week to week for results. And those are the five Ps. Um, the book that I have called Wake Up, Your Life is Calling does take a kind of a mixed personal and professional view of change, of personal transformation, of unlocking potential and trying to tap into personal power. Um, and so that's why I put that together. And, and uh, for anyone who has that, I hope you enjoy it. I'd love to get your feedback. Now, as I'm done here, as I roll up here, I would love to also put a question out to you because for me, you're in my mastermind group. You know, So I, I'd love to contribute to you. Um, at the same time, I'd also love to tap your expertise. 
And uh, then I'll open it up for Q&A on anything, anything I've said, any, any reflections, any thoughts, and any input on some of the questions that I, I'm looking to you for some insight on. Um, one is, as I said, I have a, a book that's, uh, that's in hand, but it hasn't been officially launched yet. And so if any of you out there have launched a, a self-published book, I know it's completely different when you have a national publisher. <clears throat> Mine is self-published uh, through Author House. Some good things about them, some not so not so good experiences with them, which I'm happy to share. Um, but I would love any any tips or any strategies for you that really worked, that really helped you uh, get your book out there, get it known, get some books sold, uh, get it into the hands, because I really believe in this message. I think it can really help people. <clears throat> so I want to make sure that I, I can really get the book out there into people's hands. The second thing is I'm also going through a branding change. So my old company was called Jaffe Life Design because it was really about redesigning and rebuilding people's lives professionally. <clears throat> but as I did more and more executive and company work, life design was a, a, a tag or a name that didn't really resonate with them as much. So I've shifted the name of the company to be the My Jabby Company, um, which I was advised on. And I would love to know if anyone out there has gone through a brand change. Again, any, any thoughts, any strategies, any tips, I'd love to be able to use your wisdom to get up the learning curve and avoid any mistakes that you might have, have uh, learned. And then the last thing is uh, I also am relaunching a website. So there's a lot of transformation going on in my world all at one time. Um, any thoughts on the timing, the branding versus website versus book launch? Again, I, it, it's really putting myself out there with different colors and different names and different things. Um, I would love to get your insights into what you think might be a good approach for that. And with that, I just want to end by just reminding you know, everybody, you know, as we come to the end of this, we really come to a new beginning, <clears throat> a new learning, a commitment to take action, a new intention, hopefully. Uh, and there's just three, me three messages for you. Number one, life is a gift. Life is a gift and every single day counts. Every one of my colleagues that were up there that day, would give anything for our worst day. Don't you dare ever settle for fine. Play big. Make 2012 the year that you take your business to the next level. Whatever that looks like for you, play bigger. Number two, you have the power to create whatever future you desire. There's always a way. You know, don't get stuck looking back. Look forward and say, what am I going to do with this gift that I've been given? And number three, don't round up. Tomorrow starts today. Start with the smallest step that you can take and do it. For me, it was a 20-minute breakfast with my family. What's it going to be for you? You know, you and me, we're all survivors every day. And this is your wake-up call. You know, today is the day to turn those intentions into actions. Today is that someday that you've been waiting for. You are standing at your own crossroads right now as you listen to this, as you're with me here on a day that looks like any other day. The big question is, what are you going to do about it? Thanks. Ooh, I have chills, Mike. Thank you. Oh, oh my goodness. So, thank you. Um, let's open it up, and whoever, um, if you muted yourself and you want to interact, you can unmute um, any comments, questions, observations, anything you want to ask Mike or share with Mike on the questions that he asked about um, your experiences marketing a self-published book or if you've gone through a brand change or any advice you might have for him about um, getting his message out or any comments or questions on what he shared with us today.
Hi, Mike. Uh, this is Tom Finn. Uh, really Hi, appreciated uh, your story and, and some of the lessons from it. Um, I had a question uh, about one of those P's, the, the persist. Yes. Um, yes, sir. I, Curious for you to speak to that because uh, the the inspirational part of your story is, you know, like Susie says, it obviously just grabs me. Uh, and my guess would be that the folks that you work with, that the toughest part is the persist part, you know, keeping yes. things. So, so I'm just curious how you work with folks on that one, uh, what yes. you um, – you know, some of the angles you take, I'm sure, you know, there's some of those challenges for you as well, you know, so just want you to talk a little bit about how you work with people on persisting. Great question, Tom. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, it starts, it starts with building up your action muscle. So, and I know some of this may sound obvious, but as you know, the simplest things can be the hardest to implement. So for somebody, they have an intention uh, let's let's say that they were going to make three phone calls to do business development or they needed to do some outreach and a meeting comes up. What their tendency is to just blow it off. Well, that, I couldn't do my plan, so I did nothing. I didn't do any of it. And what I try to do is work with them to still let them know that even little steps count. So do something, right? Do something. Even if it doesn't look like the exact goal or action step you had planned, don't do nothing. You still have to do something because it's not only the outcome that's important here. It's not only the fact that, all right, you only made one phone call instead of three phone calls. That's only a third. The key is that you're keeping your momentum going, that you're getting your, your muscles strong in terms of having integrity with your word. When you say you're going to do something, you do it. You're unstoppable about it, even if it doesn't look exactly the way that you had planned, which is what life is. Right? Very, very rarely or not that often is everything going to look exactly the way you plan. So for me, it's really important for them to learn how to keep momentum going, to take an action step, to turn those intentions into actions. That's part of persist without just focusing on that gap, on what they didn't do, but acknowledging what they did do and then learning something about that. That's one. The second part of it is patience. You know, patience and courage. A lot of times when we're asking people to take on change, which is what we're doing, because if they weren't having to take on change, <clears throat> they wouldn't need us. It's really terrifying and it's really intimidating for them. And they're judging themselves a lot based on their first attempt. And a lot of times that'll just paralyze them, you know, so then they'll come back and they haven't done it. Um, but when you look under the covers, a lot of that is really just fear. And what I try to do is let them start thinking about what it's going to be like the hundredth time they've done it or the tenth time they've done it. I've had so many breakthroughs with clients once they make that initial call. Once they do it that first time, they come back, we debrief it. <clears throat> I get them to focus on acknowledgement, not just, not just the gaps. Um, and then they do it again and they do it again. And, you know, pretty soon they forget how difficult it was. So I want to keep reminding them, hey, at one point you couldn't even pick up that phone and make that call. Now look at what you're doing. Now that's the easy part. Now the hard part is having a different kind of conversation with somebody. But let's let's make sure that we don't discount the small steps that it took to get here. Because if they can see that, right, it can give them the confidence, the courage, right? Courage is doing something with fear. Without fear it doesn't take courage. So it's about getting them to understand that they cannot judge themselves based on their first attempt. And that if they're falling down that can be a good thing because it means there's growth happening. Obviously, there's a trade-off or there's a, there's a discretion there 
when they're being judged by measurables at work. So you don't want to be reckless. You don't want to put them at risk for anything. But you have to also try to support their innovation and their growth by getting them to try things. So a lot of times some of the coaching work will be creating the right environment for them to have the latitude to try something that they wouldn't normally do. So that one attempt, it's not a full, uh, not fully productive. They get squashed right there. And that leads me to the third part of persistence, which is making sure you're creating the right support system around you. You know, not only your professional environment and your network, but also your home. I mean, we, we try to segregate home and work, you know, or life and, and work, but it's all our life. And, you, you, you know, you all know that if we're having a hard time at home, it's going to show up at work. As much as we try to compartmentalize things, the cost of that will eventually show up. And if we're having a hard time at work, it's going to show up somewhere at home. And so trying to get all these, these support systems that we have aligned and understanding what our goals are and having those, those tough conversations sometimes is a big part of persistence. So those would Great be the stuff. three things I focus on. As you were talking, just a small follow-up, you know, you said that you yeah. weren't different from any of those folks that were, you know, in your office with you. And at this point, you're not different from the rest of us who have trouble with persistence and all that. So I'm, I'm just yeah. curious, you know, you're putting one foot in front of the other just like the rest of us. Are you, right. when you take those little steps or when you're, you know, trying to deal with the patience and courage to do the next thing uh, that, you know, may not seem that uh, grandiose, are you infused with a different spirit when you do those small things now than you were before 9-11? And what's yeah. the impact of that? In I, the- that's a great question. No, thanks, Tom. Um, you know, for me, I still need wake-up calls. You know, I'm not immune to humanity, to, the human, to, to our behavioral, uh, you know, lack. And for me, there are a couple of ways that I go about doing that. But I, I think part, and I'll get to that in a sec, part of it is, is getting your muscles strong, getting that intention to your word strong, doing it and doing it again. I think the work that I do, the work that we do kind of holds me to account because I'd be full of shit if I'm sitting there telling someone else to do something, but then I'm not trying it myself. So if I, as long as I'm in action on it, right, I feel like I'm getting stronger and I have integrity with, with what I'm trying to share in others. And that calls me out in a big way because my integrity with, and my authenticity is really important to me. That's my, one of my core values. But the other thing is having little, little totems, little tools, the ABCs thing. I use that on myself all the time. As soon as I become aware, I'm like, all right, breathe stop and breathe and take a time out and slow and steady. And now what am I committed to? And it's important because that regrounds me into my power. For me, I'm committed to love, leadership, and courage. Those three things, you have to boil it down to something that's palatable, that you can hold on to, that's simple enough that you can just whip that out anytime you need it for a little course correction. Love, leadership, and courage. If I'm on it, if I'm pissed off, the other day I was driving because I do a lot of driving. I actually live up in the Berkshires in Western Mass, and I go down to New York every week. <clears throat> and, you know, as soon as I start going over to the New York border, it's a whole different game of driving, right? And rather <laughs> than people letting you in, they're, they're speeding up to close the gap. You know, and it's like, oh, where did all these assholes come from? Man, this guy and that person. And as, soon as, I, as long as I'm holding on to that, I can see I'm stressed. You know, my breath is shallow. I'm, my, hand, my grip on the wheel is tight. And I have to just let go. I have to let go. And I use the ABCs for that. I also, you know, use three. There are three things you can do in any situation. You can either change it outright if you have the authority and the will to do so. You can influence it or you can accept it. 
And I find that in those situations, instead of speeding up and trying to give the person a bright or cut them off to try to get even, as soon as I let go, man, I have my vitality back. I'm recentered again. I have myself back because I definitely get caught up in that emotion feeling wrong, but that's a victim mentality. And I need to use these little tricks, these little tips to just try to get myself recentered in what I'm committed to. And what I'm committed to is love, leadership, and courage. And if I can bring that to every situation, I know that I'm tapping into my power and I'm living an extraordinary life. And it's not easy because our emotion is going the opposite direction. So you need something to kind of talk you in off the ledge to break the spell that we fall under. And so that's what I have. And, and, you know, for the more pragmatic things, I also have two coaches that I work with because I think coaches need coaches. We all need, we, we all know the benefit, so we all need to use them. So that also helps me from right, right when I'm feeling overwhelmed, especially with all this transition I'm trying to do, uh, it helps me break things down into a, into a, a palatable plan. Great. Thanks. I appreciate it. And, I, and living in the Berkshires is another great support too. That's wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, it, it really, thank you. It really is. You know, having the influence around me here, it's, it, the external influences that are around you are important. When I was commuting, and I, listen, I love New York. I lived in Westport, Connecticut. Beautiful, beautiful place, different pace. And when you look around, you know, and everybody is, is commuting like that, it seems very normal, and there's nothing wrong with it, and there's no judgment. You just have to understand how you work and what's going to be a good influence for you and what's important to you. And sometimes we have to disrupt you know, sometimes we have to disrupt our comfortable being, our, our, our way of life, to try to create something that's more aligned with, with what we really want. So we come up here, and we're not surrounded by a beautiful river, and, and it's a lot of things. It's, you know, it's small-town America here. There's not nearly as much money as Westport had, and that translates into challenges for some, sometimes for athletic teams and other things for my kids but it also creates a lot of opportunity. So you have to really get back down to what's important to you. What are the influences you want there? And so thanks, Tom. Great question. You're welcome. Yeah, Mike, what was the third thing? You said three things you can do in any situation. Change it, influence it, or what ah, was the third thing? I'd... Or accept it. And I ah. don't mean tolerate it, because, yeah, because if you're tolerating it, you haven't accepted it. You're still a victim. So if you can't, I'll give you, you're right. Most of the time, if we're looking at somebody else or something else, the best way to change something is to change ourselves, which will then influence that situation. Or it's just really to let go. You know, again, if I get into my road rage mode, I have to just let go. Just let go. And it, and it take a breath, let go, remember what I'm committed to. And it, I find my power again because we give up our mojo. We're giving up our power when we when we're become victims. Just yeah. like that. And, but we also have the ability to get it back just like that by recentering ourselves. Mm, great. Whew. So what other questions, comments, observations other folks have, reactions? Don't forget to unmute yourself if you're muted. Star 6 will unmute you, and then you can interact, share, ask questions, make comments. And I did post the notes on the Facebook page. I was trying to take notes as you were going, um, and I po posted the link to where you, can get, um, where you can get Mike's book. But I'll go ahead and post that again higher up in the stream. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, wakeupbook.com is a shortcut URL that will redirect you right to where you can get the book. 
Uh, I'm also creating an affiliate program. So if other people you are, are affiliates for other things, they know how that works. They like that model. I'm happy to share. Uh, since it's self-published, I have a little bit more margin than if it was just uh, published with a national publisher. So I'm happy to share with anybody who helps spread the word of the book. Um, so that will be coming soon. Wakeupbook.com. Is everybody on mute and eating their lunch? (laughs) 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 Susie, this is Joni. Hi, Mike. I'll I'll make a comment. Um, The first thing I want to say is thank you. Yeah, hi. I'm here in the Salt Lake City area. Uh, I just wanted to say thanks for sharing your story. I found that very inspiring. you know, it's probably hard for you. You're we're here on an audio, but I was, you know, I was kind of getting choked up listening to it. And I hope as part of your marketing strategy, you're out, um, you know, verbally sort of promoting um, not only your book but just these concepts by telling the story. I mean, that would be my input. Is you know, it's so powerful um, just hearing it, Thank hearing you. you describe and speak. Yeah, that I think that's that's. Uh, just a, a real gift that you ought to be leveraging. You probably already are, but anyway, that's kind of my take on it. No, but that's great input. You know, for me, you could see I didn't even I didn't even tell you where to get my book. I'm not a great marketer by any stretch, um, because I I love I love doing the sharing and um, and I do indeed I do share my story. I intentionally did not launch the book with aligned with 9-11 because I don't want it to be a 9-11 book. 9-11 is just a small part of this story, right? It was my wake-up call, but now how do you create your own wake-up call on demand? And I thought it would be too too connected, um, so I, I held it. And um, I do most of my most of my work that I the, – the stuff I love to do is really keynote speaking and group work and have a small one-on-one coaching practice. And I, and I have a company where I have a whole network of coaches. Some of you probably have the same – um, that's how I met Susie <clears throat> and, uh, always looking for extraordinary coaches that want to be brought in as subcontractors on bigger projects. Uh, for me, I love that. I love the development, um, of the projects and the programs and, and just really touching and working with people <clears throat> and then handing it off to extraordinary coaches to do most of the ongoing coaching and persisting. Um, so I do, I do indeed share that story and, you know, half the time I'm in tears the first time I ever shared my story was cathartic, and I was bawling. I mean, absolutely bawling. And even last year at CAM, Susie was there. Uh, they had a 9-11 speaker. I had no idea he was coming, and he started sharing his story, and it struck a chord with me. Uh, and I just I was, I was full of emotion, and I knew I had to share something. And I raised my hand, and I stood up, and I just started bawling in front of 200 leading coaches in the world, you know. And everybody was like, oh, my God, you know, I I could just feel the compassion coming at me. And I just stopped them. I said, you know what, this is good. This is really good because I never want it to be just a story. You know, I don't want it to ever, I don't want to ever be numb to this. Um, I want to be composed many times, but I don't want to be numb. And so when the emotion comes, I just let it come. um, Because it needs to, it it keeps it real. And and everything feels like a dream with our lives over certain years, right? If you look back. It all feels like a dream, and I never want this to just be a dream. And it was so great that you did that, too, Mike, in that moment, because it made it real on a different level for everybody that was in the room. Um, You know, because the way we all interact with a speaker is we have our own personal connection to whatever they say or whatever resonates with us. And in this particular case, 
Um, it was more about having an experience of blindness because the speaker was blind, and his, it was about you know how his seeing eye dog kind of helped him remain calm and get out of the tower and rescue all these other people coming out of the tower um, on 9-11. And so he was really sharing that story about how we all have these things that we're blind about, and we were actually sitting in physical blindness. They had us wear blindfolds and be in a dark room while the speaker was talking. And then afterwards... Um, you know, when Mike stood up and, and, you know, not, there were a lot of 200 people in the room, maybe 10 or 15 or 20 of the folks in the room had previously known Mike and his, his particular connection to that. And I was one of them. I was actually distracted during the whole conversation because I was worried about how this was hitting you, Mike. Right. So I was like, okay. I I saw you there. I remember you. And, um, yeah, but then when you stood up and shared your personal experience, it actually made it real for everyone in the room in a whole different way, right? Like it's not something that just happened to that guy on stage or our own personal reflections of where we or our loved ones were on 9-11, but here's someone in our room who has this remarkable story. It just, you brought the house down in that moment that you shared, and I was really glad that you did that because it just took everyone's breath away in a way that um, it just, it it resonated in a way differently than it did when the speaker was telling his story, um, just because you're one of us, oh. you know. Yeah, well, thank thank you for sharing that. That means a lot. Yeah. So anyone else? Questions, comments, reactions, responses? So, um, Mike, do you want to tell us again where we can find more about you? I know I posted on the Facebook page, but I know you mentioned wakeupbook.com, but also you want to tell people your website, um, where they can yeah, find out more about thanks, you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Sure. It's uh, humanwakeupcall.com. <clears throat> right now it redirects to my old site, but we're about a week away from launching the new site, and that's where that's when the book will be on there and all the new things. Uh, so if you go to humanwakeupcall.com, uh, you'll see all all the information about me. And if you go to Wake Up Book, that's where you can learn more about my new book, see a video trailer, um, get download some free chapters, that kind of stuff. Excellent. Thank and you. I want to thank everyone. Yes. Thanks Thanks to everybody for really sharing your time with me today. I'm honored. I'm always honored to be uh, able to share you know, what I do and, and what my philosophy is and what my experience has been, especially, like you said, with people that, I, that are part of my life, uh, that do what I do, that understand that, that depth and that different perspective of what we're here for and how we make an impact on others. And for me to be able to impact those that impact others uh, is truly a gift and a blessing. So I just want to, again, thank you for investing your time with me today. I really, I really cherish it and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And um, there's for those of you who want to connect with Mike inside the Leading Coaches Center, too, you can um, find him in the members search area and connect with him there as well. Um, and I also wanted to just let everyone know to mark your calendars for February 16th. Um, it's a Thursday at noon Eastern. Tom Finn is going to join us, and Tom is on the call right now. Tom is the author of a book called Are You Clueless? Seven Clues to Profit, Productivity, and Partnership for Leaders in a Multicultural World. It's a great book. It tells all kinds of wonderful stories 
um, about experiences that leaders and businesses have had where they were completely unaware of the cross-cultural or multicultural impact of their story, of their business, and the way they'd set it up. Um, Tom, is there anything that you want to share with us now about that to prime the pump for the next call? Oh, thanks, Susie. Yeah, uh, just to add to your great description, thank you, would be uh, just to say that we're going to try to up everybody's game, you know, add to people's repertoire by putting a cultural um, twist on coaching and see if there are ways that uh, that might uh, give people more, uh, you know, uh, amplitude in their coaching. Fantastic. Thank you. And, Mike, thank you so, so much for kicking off the year with us and inspiring us to to have our own wake-up call and to really seize the seize the day and turn it into something amazing. And um, and I would encourage folks to connect with Mike on the Leading Coaches Center on Facebook, all over the place. And um, if you're interested in becoming an affiliate to help him get the word out about his book, great. And I know that there are people on this call who weren't speaking up but who have experiences with self-publishing and rebranding and um, so just wanted to remind folks that Mike had put that request out there so if you have insights for him you can connect with him independently of this call and uh, I'm really grateful for everyone for being here today and for being part of the Leading Coaches Center and Mike thank you so much for everything that you shared with us and your openness and, um, and for inspiring us to make this year our best one yet. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks Mike. Thanks, Thank you. Everybody. Thank you very much. You find the rec- you'll, I'll post the recording in the clubhouse, and you can find it after. It'll be up by tomorrow morning at the latest. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.